0: Salah, cancella. Oh, that's brilliant from Mo Salah. And
1: still, Salah, oh, sensational! Son had a goal and still the beauty! Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemann. De Bruyne, oh!
0: And it is one, from oh.
1: Martinelli, gorgeous.
0: Still going up. oh, he's done it again! And City have won the Premier League! Gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, A Tad Predictable, with your host, Tiriwa Chanakira and his guest, Aston Villa's own, James Billingham. It's game week 17 and you know what that means, it's time for another brand new episode of A Tad Predictable. The Premier League is starting to get really, really spicy. It looks like it's going to be a title race full of a lot of teams this time around instead of just the the usual teams that we've expected in recent seasons. And with that in mind, we've got someone here, first time on the show, James, Aston Villa fan. Look, we were missing an Aston Villa fan. Aston Villa were the a tad predictable team of the of. The, of the season to support last season, controversially selected after Gerard got fired. Um, I think that was intentional from the likes of Guy Drinkle. Um, that, that, that Villa were on the app as soon as Gerard got fired. They were happy with that one. Um, but yeah, they went on to do really well last season. Um, Fulham have been appointed the team of the season this season, and they've gone on a bit of a run now um since they've been appointed uh a tab predictable team of the season so there there is a good omen there but James welcome to the show
1: thanks for having me really looking forward to it. um especially at the moment as a Villa fan as you can imagine it's a really exciting time so I'm looking forward to getting into that a bit later
0: yeah, um, it's, it's, it's always good to, to bring in fans from respective, uh, Premier League teams, just, just to get a bit more insight as well. I like to give them the baton with specific teams. And as you said, with Villa, probably the most exciting team in the Premier League at the moment, certainly in my opinion. Um, but I just wanted to, before we crack on with the fixtures, uh, for game week 17, just, Give us a bit of background on how you became a, a, a Villa fan. Was it by birthright or or did you get roped in? Um, I know for myself, with Liverpool, I didn't really have a choice. Um, my dad says I had a choice, but I, I didn't really have a choice. But well, what about for you?
1: Well, there's the, a the saying that goes around at the moment. Um, on our 140th uh, anniversary of, the, of being founded, um, David Bradley did a voiceover video where he says, um, you don't choose Aston Villa, it chooses you. And I think... Everyone pretty much goes by that nowadays, but in all seriousness, it came through, um, my mum's side of the family. Uh, her dad worked in Aston, uh, as a kid. And then from then, they've supported Villa through, through the generations there. There were season ticket holders, um, in the glory years of winning the league and winning the European cup. So, you know, they've seen some great times. and um, and it's just yet yeah, it passed down. And I hope I can do that again with, with my kids as well. Um, it it's a it's a great club to support there's ups and downs all the time and and yeah i'm glad that i was chosen
0: and and chosen at a good time it seems you you're enjoying yeah. a really good um, era and and long made continue especially for villa fans um but we're gonna delve into more teams than just aston Villa today. I know you were on a podcast a couple of weeks back on e p r index you really broke down what it was to be a villa fan at the moment and and what was going on so guys do go check that out. Um, I'll, I'll do a cheap plug on that now, um, before we get to the end of the podcast. But, um, as we swiftly move on to the rest of the fixtures, uh, for this week, we've got Nottingham Forest versus Tottenham. It's a Friday kickoff. First and foremost, what are your thoughts on the the Friday kickoffs? Um, and, and how do you see this game going between a Forest side who it seems like the clock is ticking for Steve Cooper? Um, last week there were the rumours that if you know they they needed to get a good result, otherwise he was going to be relieved of his duties there. Um, and then Tottenham kind of limped into the weekend, but then ended up performing really well against Newcastle. Um, yeah, what well, what do you, what do you see in in this type of fixture, and of course a Friday fixture?
1: Um, I I personally love a, a Friday fixture. You know, you finish your working week uh, like well, for, for many people and. You can get back, and if you go into the game, especially you get back, you get ready, you go straight out, uh, stadiums under the lights are just, for me, a different sort of atmosphere that they're really great. So I do love a, a Friday kickoff. Um, I, I don't always get to go to many, but when you go to, to Villa Park under the lights in particular, for example, that's great. So I imagine it's the same for, for every other fan when you, when you're at your home stadium on, on a night time. But yeah, the, the forest situation is really interesting to me. It was only if you, weeks ago that they beat us they beat us 2-0 um, they look like a, a pretty well drilled side but you know recently they've, they've sort of been easy to, to get at really um, and, and struggling obviously they are missing uh, Awanee at the moment who I think is a, a really great outlet uh, one of the for me one of the best strikers outside the sort of big strikers in the league I think he's so good at so many different things you know started the season really well as well didn't he so they will miss him but they, they have got quite a nice squad and um, I think from the outside looking in, which isn't always the same as when you're obviously within a fan base, I think Cooper needs a little bit more time to sort of prove he can evolve again because, you know, we got the job done in some sort of fashion last season and I think he's trying to build something. And It's, it's easy to say from the outside, as I say, but I think you do need a bit of time when you're in that sort of situation with how they've brought these players in. And then on, on Spurs' hand, you, you know, they have struggled with a lot of injuries recently, which is a, a common theme across the league at the moment for quite a lot of teams. But they're a really exciting team to watch. You know, Ange Ball, as it's been obviously quoted, um, it is really exciting, really interesting. We struggled against them. It's the marking their full-backs and midfield rotations that are really, really tough to, to keep hold of. So I think it'll be quite a good game. I think you will expect Spurs to go into it and, and dominate mostly, and then Forrest to look to sort of hit them on the break, even though they're at home. So I'm looking forward to seeing how what the outcome of that one is. I'd probably expect to Spurs win myself.
0: Yeah, look, um, I think you mentioned the Awanee injury, and it, if you tail Nottingham Forest's season last season, it kind of mirrored when he was available and when he wasn't. Um, so it 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 is a massive blow for them. But yeah, they they it it was another season where they did bring in quite a few starting players not not as many as the first season in the premier league but those players do need time to sort of gel get together steve cooper needs to sort of figure out what their best assets and 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 attributes are and and get them going so yeah uh, it will be interesting if he does leave uh hopefully he he gets a little bit longer just to try and resolve it but i think uh, owners tend to get a bit tentative when it comes towards january and, and they're being asked to to spend millions of pounds on a manager that they're not really sure of and, and sort of invest in their vision. So this will be a tough game. I, I would hope for Steve Cooper's sake that this isn't one of those must win games to, to keep his job because uh, that's quite a tall order against a very aggressive uh, Tottenham team that I think is going to be looking to capitalize on for us poor form. I've, I've got two nil here for, for Tottenham in this one. What scoreline were you thinking?
1: I think Forest will score, <coughs> but Spurs will actually score him. I think a 2 1. Yeah, um, Son in the goals again.
0: Yeah, that, as you say, an evening game should be really, really entertaining. Let's move on to uh, the Saturday fixtures. We've got Bournemouth versus Luton. Uh, Bournemouth, another one of those teams that are starting to really play, play well. A um, couple of good results at the moment. Uh, at the beginning of the season, I was a fan of Andoni coming in. Um, I thought it's a perfect type of club in Bournemouth to what he's done in Spain, which is taking a club that's not going to be one of the top clubs necessarily, but can cause a lot of chaos and be the underdogs, but be successful as the underdogs. Um, And it's taken a while. I thought at the beginning of the season when they played Liverpool, for example, they showed the signs of how dangerous they could be but certainly now it seems like they're really in a a good groove Solanke's playing well which is always good for them and then obviously Luton who gave Man City a bit of a scare last week um only to succumb to the force that is Man City but what what do you think of this one?
1: Yeah I I agree with that the Areola appointment was really exciting I thought um when O'Neill was um relieved of his duties, sorry yeah I thought um Let's see who comes in before we sort of make a comment. And obviously it wasn't too long after they, that they announced the reola and he's a, a progressive coach, you know, from his time in Spain. I think it sort of has maybe a similar feel to Pochettino at, at Southampton, now, uh, coming in and trying to shake it up with it with a new style and exciting style. I think their energetic chaos up top it is, is really good to watch, you know, when they lose the ball in, in the opposition's final third, then they're still trying to win it back up high and it's just so good to watch. I think that's why they made the move they did, obviously, in the summer. And in terms of Luton, I think they're showing more quality, actually, I think, than what I thought they would this early on. Um I think that's helped with the likes of, obviously, Barkley and, and Townsend being brought in. They know that, you know, you don't get time on the ball in this league, but you've got to make your time. Uh, that experience is, is valuable. They've got some really decent players, you know, and they've, They've all got a decent engine. And like Alfie Dote is just a really good player, I think, for them. Um, but I would expect, especially Bournemouth being at home, you know, four wins in the last five. I'd expect Bournemouth to come out on top still. Um, especially you, Luton's joy tends to come at Kenilworth Road anyway. So I do, I do think Bournemouth may be a one or two nil sort of game for them.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm going to push you one or two nil. <laughs> do you reckon
1: two nil? Two
0: yeah. Look, um, Bournemouth seem to be in a groove at the moment. I, I think I'm going to join you in that two 0 camp. I think the points for Luton are going to come at home with that, you know, smaller pitch, congested pitch, um, making it difficult for oppositions with your fan support in in the background as well. But, um, yeah, Bournemouth just seem to be in a good way at the moment. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm expecting them to to perform well. Obviously, Senesi um did well for my fantasy team last week which was great i brought him in last week on a whim and um yeah he delivered a, a goal and a clean shoe so, so that was fantastic from a personal perspective uh i wouldn't say so much for for cole palmer and chelsea who've been maybe the one of the surprise teams of the seasons in terms of the the, the lack of performance that they've had so far this season they will be entertaining sheffield united in a very expectant Stanford Bridge, I'd imagine. What what do you see from this game?
1: Um, I you know what I don't know what to expect from Chelsea half the time at the moment. Um, I thought they'd be better than this. You know, I think Poch is a really good uh, coach. We've seen that before. I thought they'd get more results than this. You know, they have some, they've had some good performances this season still, but the, the game is about margins quite often. And if you don't take your chances, which when you're lacking a real quality striker, that's going to happen quite often. Then you're going to struggle and then that plays into your, your sort of mentality as well. Going into games and then obviously you've got Sheffield United. That are, they've got a, a new manager in in the past couple of games and they're going to look to just get points however they can, really, um, for a start and then build on that. You know, they got the win last weekend or, yeah, last weekend, I think. You expect to see them sit quite deep and then break. And then Chelsea are happy to be quite expansive and try and get the goals, but it's getting the goals that is the problem for them. So yeah, I, I still think that this will be a game that Chelsea will win, but with their sugar for goals, I can see it being very narrow scoreline, like a 1-0. So that, that's probably my prediction.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think Chelsea fans will be desperate for Nkunku to get into this team. We've seen what he's done in, in the Bundesliga. I, th- I thought he was phenomenal there. Um, and Chelsea was smart to sort of tie him up quite early at the beginning of the previous season before even, you know, and and letting him come the next season. I think he adds a little bit more goal threat when he gets into that team. Jackson, I think, was always brought with the intention of being the number two for goals. And then he's sort of been thrust in with the responsibility of being the number one goal getter. And I think that that weight has been a bit heavy for him so far this season. So, yeah, I, I would like to see Chelsea once Nkunku, Nkunku comes in and to see if that is maybe the vision that uh, Pochettino had. And hopefully he gets a chance to to coach Nkunku um, whilst he's fit. Because you, you never know what Chelsea, they, they sometimes are quite quick uh, to pull the trigger with uh, managers and, and getting rid of their managers. But you'd hope from a Chelsea perspective that no matter how poorly they're playing at the moment, a game against Sheffield United at home, they should have enough to to get past them. But we saw last week Sheffield United are going to be maybe a bit more dogged. Um, wonder goal uh, in, in terms of how they got their win last week, their 1-0 win. Can they replicate that? I, I don't think they can too often this season. They, they're going to need more, maybe, um, traditional goals than, than Wonder Goals. Um, and, and until I see that, I can't really back them to get much from this game. Um, I've gone 2 0 Chelsea. Um, I, I think their quality is, is going to shine through in this one. And I guess for, for their sake, they'll just look on to, from Pochettino's perspective, look onto the January transfer window because he he was talking in the media that you know he he needs more signings. Could you believe that? <laughs>
1: um, well, yes and no. I think <laughs> what you see from at the moment, you expect him to continue spending, but where does it end? You know, I think you see from the best managers that come in and they improve what the what they've already got anyway. Um, so yeah, the, you know the, the standout one, other than having Unkunka already obviously, is Will they go for uh, this big striker? You know, I think. Been a lot of talk over Victor Osimhen quite often, hasn't there? So I mean he would cost a serious amount of money, but we've seen Chelsea are quite happy to spend that, but where's their boundaries? So it will be an interesting January to watch what they do. Um, but I expect him to improve what he's already got, you know. I think sometimes maybe going back to basics a little bit when with with his distances, I think you can get at them quite often. So I think maybe focus a bit more defensively and when you've got someone that can take chances a bit more like Nkunku, I think maybe they'll get a bit more joy then.
0: Yeah, that, that's one of the clubs to definitely look out for. Um, another club that's not shy of spending, Manchester City. They will be hosting Crystal Palace. Uh, I mentioned the struggles that Man City had last week. They had Rodri, though, um, in the team. Obviously, this season they've struggled when he's not been there, but Haaland was the one that was missing. Um, they've changed so much of the team to sort of cater for what Haaland you know his style of play um and then to to have to play a game and go back to what they were maybe the city of old it looked like it took a little bit of time and if there's a club that likes to have space and and sort of pass the ball around in space it's man city so i can i can see how a game at luton is very very difficult with not enough space for them to to sort yeah. of move the defenders the way that they usually like to and, and manipulate that defensive line. So I'm sure they'll be happy to be back at the Etihad. Um, the good thing for them is they, they don't have to really worry about uh Champions League this week. They're already through. I think they're topping the group guaranteed. So it's just pretty much, I'm assuming, a rotated squad. Um Obviously, at time of recording, we don't have that information. But it would be a rotated squad midweek or at least – People that need to get minutes will play and then gearing up for Crystal Palace, who I thought were very unlucky against Liverpool last week. They were an Alisson performance short of winning that game Um and I can see why Liverpool were desperate for him to come back into the team last week, having been injured, because he put in a, a world-class performance, which happened to keep Crystal Palace at bay long enough for Liverpool to wake up. But... Um, for me I think the IU suspension is bigger than what it may seem I I know from speaking with Crystal Palace fans he's not necessarily the the player that you pick out as one of the key players in the team but I do think his hold-up play is so crucial especially for a team that likes to sit back and play on the counter-attack if the ball doesn't stick up top it's just going to keep coming back in waves and it makes it a lot more difficult to sort of get your foot into the game and I've, I've, I find that he does that really really well for them so missing that element I don't know who's going to be that player for them that can just hold the play up allow the defenders to move up the pitch so I, I can see them having a very torrid time against Man City I've gone 3-0 to Man City
1: yeah it will be a sugar for them. um I do think though, maybe I'm wrong maybe I'm just imagining it but I feel like Palace have a couple of good performances at the Etihad before. I mean, yeah, if you think yeah. back to that Thames and Screamer volley a couple of two or three seasons ago whenever it was. I think they, they tend to, to play quite well. Did, did they beat City at the Etihad when Conor Gallagher was playing for them? I think they won 2-0. Yeah,
0: I could have sworn they did, uh, it, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, you know, they've had a couple of results there. I think it's, it's hard to say how, how they might approach this game because we've seen teams have joy sitting back. We've seen uh, you know, I can't go without mentioning it. We've seen Villa step onto them and really worry them for a whole 90 minutes. It I suppose it depends on your team dynamic, but as you say, when, when Ayu's not playing, it is a bit more of a struggle to, to make the ball stick. And he's got really quick feet as well. He can trouble you if you isolate him against the defender. So uh, yeah, it will be a big miss. And obviously they're without Eze, um, who is yeah, a top, top player. Um, to shame that he's out again, um, I can't remember how long it is, but it's still a, a couple of weeks away. I think is it um, from returning? Yeah. Um, and then City, on the other hand, I think they will start to to turn this around after you no know, wins in four, was it before or no wins in five? The, that's pretty unheard of it, after the season that they had, obviously last season as well. You expect them to find a find a way. This is sort of what Pep was isn't it? He he starts a season one way and then. He, he finds another way and they'd go and win like 20 on the spin or something like that. So I expect him to, to really start motoring as it comes, you know, towards the turn of the year and afterwards. So I, I think that they will win this game three, three nil. I think Palace will struggle to get too much in terms of chance creation and City will look to just keep the foot on the ball, keep them moving, keep them working. Um, and yet yeah, even with or without Harland, I think that they'll get the job done.
0: Yeah, definitely. And yeah, as you said, it it seems like Eze is trying to rush back as quickly as possible. It's more Hodgson that's being cautious and, and trying to hold him back. So I'd be surprised if he's ready for this week, but certainly next week, it seems like um that's when he's going to step back into the fold. Let's move on to a team that's all too familiar with injuries uh, this season. Newcastle, they'll be entertaining Fulham um at St. James's Park. For Newcastle, a, a couple of their players are starting to come back. Um, it, it's, it's impossible trying to decipher an Eddie Howe press conference to figure out who is playing or who isn't playing, who's fit. But it does seem like they're starting to, to get a few of their players back. I think the, obviously not, it wasn't intentional, but the, the suspension that Trippy is going to get now, um, for accumulation of cards, I think that's going to help him in the long term because he seemed like, Um, he, he was the 31 year old, um, fallback. Um, so, you know, towards the latter part of the season so far, you could see he, he was starting to wear that age a bit more, and especially with the amount of football he's played throughout his career. Um, you know, most of the teams he's played in, in recent years have been playing European football and domestic football as well. He's going up and down that channel. You can see it with the likes of Robertson and stuff where it, it does eventually start to to catch up to these players, but I think the break will do him well. Um, Maybe obviously if I stick with the fantasy football um, analogies, not a lot of fantasy players will not be too impressed with him not being there. It's it's a big chunk of money to be spending on on a, on a defender. Um, So we'll see what people do on that side of things, but for Newcastle must win game midweek in the champions league, and then have to play a very up, for at Fulham who have back-to-back five no wins obviously as I mentioned they are the a tad predictable team of 22 23-24 season um, and they've been doing well since they they became that team about three or four weeks ago Um, so hopefully for 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 our sake um, the good fortune continues for them and they're able to get something from that Newcastle game I I think Fulham will fancy their chances to at, at least get a draw in this one Considering the amount of injuries that Newcastle have, whether or not those players come back in this game, they'll still need match fitness, so they won't necessarily be sharp, and they would have had played European football, not playing the best football at the moment. They look tired as a team. I'm going to go with the 1-1 here. I, I think Fulham gets something from this one.
1: Yeah, I find it quite tough to call because I think, you know, Newcastle at St James's Park are quite a different animal. Um, you know, with the crowd behind them, they can really get going. But on the other hand, you've got Fulham who are in form and they look really good playing some good football. Uh, Raul Jimenez obviously back in the goals as well, which is really big for him. Um, um, you know, even though he used to cause us problems when he was playing at Wolves, I, I think it's nice to see because after an injury like that, and obviously he went so long about a goal. It's a nice story to see him back and playing and happy and scoring. So, yeah, that is good to see. But yeah, I watched the Newcastle's first game and you could see Newcastle were looking a bit jaded and the the the, the effort that I had to put in in that PSG game alone would have took so much out of them. And you know, especially with how it ended, that takes a lot out of you mentally as well, and it's yeah. quite draining. So. Yeah, I think you are starting to see the toll being taken on them. And, you know, as when you partner that with injuries and the things like the Tonali suspension as well, which doesn't help at all. And they will be happy to see some faces coming back into the fold, um, especially like your Longstaff and Wilson. I think when you've got Longstaff in the heart of that midfield, the engine that he's got on you, the way they play, I think it's really key. You know, he's been really good for them. I, I I will struggle to call this result, but I'd probably have to still say, Newcastle come out on top just about with 2 1. Don't think they'll stop Fulham scoring. I think they will catch Newcastle Coles at the back at some point um, with the extra energy they should have over Newcastle. But yeah, I I still think that Newcastle get the the much needed three points. So I'll stick with the 2 1 Newcastle.
0: That's good. That's well good. Um, it, It would be good for Newcastle to sort of get back to winning ways and obviously. It it's always interesting the narrative that gets put on teams based on just one weekend. But before the draw with um um Spurs, Newcastle were doing okay. Yes, their away form is definitely concerning and um EPR index writer Jake Jackman is all, I always see him on, on um X, formerly known Twitter, um complaining about Newcastle's away form and how that could be their demise with aspirations to get European football again next season. Whereas their home form seems to be good, so yeah, if if they if their home form continues, I can see that two one scoreline being a reality. But let's take a short break, and then we'll be back to sort of get your Aston Villa state of the nation address. All right, we are back. Right, so Aston Villa is there a team that's if if we were to do power rankings in the Premier League, I'd probably put Aston Villa at the top of the power rankings at the moment. It seems like everything is going right for you guys but what what do you make of of the season that you guys are having it it's it started last season but yeah
1: yeah it's it's been incredible you know i, I think we were we were just talking about the the Newcastle home form away form thing and you know there has been quite a lot said about villas away form as well which it's quite middle of the road and when you put that into perspective that if we improved that where we could be already it's 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 remarkable you know the change that we have seen over the past year and a bit that he's been here, and when you take into account that we've had, you know, Euro, European Conference League football this season as well, which, you know, you, you can say there's a caveat that it's not of the highest quality, but you know, when you when you're traveling, still playing the games, and we've we've had some tough games still. Uh, I think it can take its toll, but he's not even making too many changes either from week to week. It, it's it's incredible how. It's not just the results we're getting. The way that we're playing is really, really interesting and exciting, uh, especially the midfield, how that operates. It's just, it's incredible. Um I think I'd have to highlight one player in particular at the moment who was brought in in the summer and that'd be Pau Torres. I think every game he's getting stronger and stronger defensively and then he's just playing his his normal game on the ball from what we used to at, at Villarreal. The way he passes through midfield and into the front line is... He's incredible. It's something that Mings was getting better at last season. But then you put Torres there and it's like he's a midfielder playing in defence. It, it's, it's what he was brought in to do. He's, he's machined their uh, build up play. Um, we saw that against Arsenal at the weekend. A ball into Ollie Watkins breaks the press and then we move to the field pretty quickly. So yeah, I, I can't believe where we are at this point in, in the season already. Um, I think there's a lot of obviously talk around will we get Champions League football? Are we, are we title contenders which is just really strange to to hear but for me it's just about getting carried away in the moment because you know we, we know how quick football changes um we've had some ups and downs itself over the past decade or so being relegated and promoted again and then nearly relegated and then just wavering around and then the Gerard era which was really turgid towards the end you know I think was quite a toxic feel around the fan base around it i think everyone was fed up and then in comes you know european specialist you know and since then we've not looked back so you know you've you've got to enjoy the great times while while they're here and i think that we will have a really solid season before the season i'd have said you know i'd take a european place again considering that we are in europe and we've got to play the league as well at the same time and the, the domestic competitions as well it's a it's a long season um So I I would still take that top six, top seven. Um, But, you know, after the start we've had, we are looking on course maybe for top four or five. So we'll we'll see how it goes. And I think in particular next month will be interesting because I don't think any Villa fan knows quite what to expect when it comes to the transfer market. Will the club invest? Are they happy with what they've got? You know, there's there's a couple of areas that we're a little bit weaker in. But on the whole, we're just a really solid unit that, you know, I, I can't pinpoint a real weakness in our squad we could the main thing I'd say is, is right back depth uh other than that I, I I wouldn't you know be throwing my toys out the pram if there wasn't to which next month so you know onwards and upwards for us and hopefully it can t- continues throughout the season
0: and and I think the there's always that interesting thing of I, I guess maybe fans like to play that um football manager type of thing of who are we signing but they're all human beings you don't want to break the chemistry that's in that dressing room at the moment you bring in i don't know maybe a a new midfielder that comes in and displaces someone that's playing well and is a key you know member of the dressing room that could have issues and and ramifications to the teams as well sometimes we we forget that element of things but um i i have enjoyed uh, watching uh, aston villa over the last it, it's been a year now Pretty much, um, since Unai Emery came in, I, I'm, I, I like that when you mentioned earlier in the podcast about Chelsea and and the signings that they'll be making, and well, you're looking for managers to improve the players that are there. Look at the likes of McGinn. Look at the likes of Leon Bailey. These are players who it looked like. Okay, are are they still going to have a future at Aston Villa, or are they just you know squad players that? They're, they're, they're starting to get their prominence back, should I say, especially for McGinn getting it back. Uh, Bailey, we saw the talent he was, uh, at Leverkusen. He came in with, in, in my opinion, came in with a lot of expectations. Didn't quite live up to them, but all of a sudden this season under Emery, he seems like a new signing, uh, as people like to say. Um, and then you've got Diaby as well there. So, if those two are just rotating purple patches throughout the season, that would work perfectly. Um, in terms of squad depth, uh, from, from a creative attacking standpoint, Oli Watkins playing phenomenal football at the moment. It, it's just good to watch, um, uh, someone different in, in that, uh, top half of the table and someone that's done it, I think, the in, in, in a really good way and in, in a, an aggressive way, in, in the right way in terms of identifying a manager. Backing him to bring in the players that he wants to bring in that he, that he, you know, if, if it's Pau Torres, okay, let's go and get a Pau Torres. I don't know if many would have thought Pau Torres would end up at Aston Villa based on some of the clubs he was linked at, but that's what I like about Aston Villa. They're being aggressive. The Kamara signing uh, a couple of seasons back, that was a phenomenal signing to bring him in. It seems like they've got the right people behind the scenes. Now they've got the manager, you know, in, in, in front of things. Uh, it just seems like a, a club that's moving in the right direction on, on all fronts, behind the scenes and in front.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, you know, I think this is a, a really interesting point about the, the sort of freedom that Emery's given around the club um, and why Villa fans aren't too worried when people mention, you know, the, the form that we're hitting and obviously the, the levels that Emery's showing, whether that attracts interest from everywhere else. But I don't think people quite understand the sort of level of autonomy that he's got at this club. You know, he's allowed to bring in the people that he's needed, the players that he's wanting. There's been such a reshuffle since he's come in, and even as far as we've now got a stake in the club that he he played for, and I think he had, he, had, he himself has a stake in um, Rail Union in in Spain. So you know, we're going to, to different lengths to keep him around and sort of build our, fu- our future around him. Which, yeah you know fair enough it, it can come with risks when it what if it starts to fall apart what if it what if he did attract interest from the top top clubs and he did have his head turned what happens then when the the structure sort of gets picked apart but i i, I i've never been so positive that we will be fine and that he would he will be staying it is it is such a re- interesting history that we've had like recent history you even look back a, a few Windows ago, when we brought in Emmy Martinez, um, Matty Cash, um, Ollie Watkins, obviously, Douglas Louise, when we first got, um, promoted, uh, we brought him for 16 million. God knows what he'd, what he'd go for now if he was going <laughs> top clubs. You know, I think we've quietly done good business over the years. You know, we've done some poor business as well that sort of part of the, part of the game, isn't it? You know, you've just got to try and reduce the, the bad and increase the good. And we've done that quite regularly. So, I think even though we've had some sort of issue with a couple of the sign on the whole, you look at who we've brought in and the prices that we've paid, it's been really reasonable. For example, Pau Torres, £30 million, is really not bad value at all with what we see players going for at the moment. Um, and he was brought in because he fits the style. He was ready-made for the system that you know Emery wants to play. So I think there was really good recruitment. and. Emery's profiling of players itself is really interesting, you know, Mr. Diaby playing as a central forward, basically. John McGinn and Jacob Ramsey sort of playing as the, the half-space players. It's just been really interesting to watch.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's been interesting to watch. Obviously, um, Johan Lang as well, um, one of those people that have been um, working behind the scenes, maybe doesn't always get the flowers that they might deserve. Um, but, Let's move on to the rest of the fixtures because I know Aston Villa is going to pop up quite soon. But if we move to Burnley versus Everton, I mean, for, for Burnley, they had that 5-0 win um, a couple of weeks back. It, it was obviously against um, 10 men, Sheffield United. It seemed like maybe this is something you hold on to if you're Vincent Company to kind of galvanize the team to go forward. I remember, you know, in in a podcast not too far back, I was talking about um, Luca and and, and how important he was going to be for for their sort of attempts to stay up this season, playing out wide on the wing for them. He seemed like one of those players that could um, be sort of the the focal points that that, that they could build a team around. He then gets injured and is probably up for the rest of the season. So I'm not giving them too much hope now. We'll see what they're doing in, in in the January window. But without him, I'm struggling to see who's going to step up for them um, at the moment. We've got Everton. It seemed like their backs were against the wall. They get the 10-point uh, deduction. Uh, if, if you have thoughts on that, by all means, do do share them. But it almost felt like the whole club galvanized and it was sort of an us-against-the-world mentality and... With Daesh uh, at the helm, we know how good of a manager he is. It yeah. it seems like he's getting things to work at the moment. Um, they haven't always gotten the goals from the likes of Calvert-Learn that they should be getting. But all of a sudden, Decore is a goal scorer. Um, there seems to be the era of midfielders that are maybe more defensive all of a sudden scoring goals with the likes of Scott McTominay and, and Decore stepping up. Um, But yeah, what what do you make of this game? What did you make of the the Everton points deduction, if if you have thoughts on that?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think it'll be um, a game where I think Everton will carry on flying, to be honest. But I I do like Burnley. I I, I like the the sort of transformation they've had over the past uh, year and a bit. I I like that they try and be a bit brave and expansive on the ball. I think they just need to balance it with a bit more pragmatism. You know, this is something that we sort of struggled with when we got promoted. Uh, Smith wanted to still be quite expansive, um, and then we were quite fortunate to have the sort of lockdown um, era, and he, he tightened us up a bit more and, and dropped into a bit more of a low block more often. And I think that Burnley are going to have to be a little bit more pragmatic with how they approach the game. Everton, that, you know, I think Deutsch is, is proven his, his, his worth recently. I think he was underrated in his coaching levels when he was at Burnley, to be honest. I, I think he was working with what he'd got, what he got, hadn't he? So I think he's come to Everton. He's got a pretty decent squad. And the play direct, but in not this, you know, the, the way that people had pictured Dyche to play direct, you know, long ball into the striker constantly. It's not always that way. It's quite quick on the ground t- times as well, that the interplay is quite nice. Uh, I like players like McNeil. Um, DeCoray I recently brought into my FPL as well. Um <laughs> in time because i think he's a he is a goal threat when he's on form he can make that late run into the box um could have had a couple more this season as well yeah. so yeah it'll be an interesting game but i think everton will come out on top um
0: 2-1 and hopefully um sean dash gets a good welcome back um yeah. to turf more um yeah so you've gone 2-1 to everton i've gone 2-0 everton um I'm I'm struggling to see. I, I I need to see evidence of of this Burnley side without Luca before I I, I get more bullish about what what they can do on on a week to week basis. But yeah, we've seen the proofs in the pudding for Everton in terms of delivering at the moment and. You know, there's always going to be that if they didn't get ten points of de- deducted, they would be here at this point yeah. in the season. Um, we're we're going to hear that throughout the season. But yeah, um, let's move on to Arsenal versus Brighton. What What are your thoughts on this Aston uh, this Arsenal versus Brighton game?
1: Yeah uh, the the Arsenal sort of transformation this season been quite interesting with with how they are becoming a little bit more solid. I think the most interesting thing for a lot of people is how Havertz works for them. Um I think he brings a serious upside off the ball and, and aerially as well. We saw him quite recently making quite a few good runs in behind as well um, from that sort of left centre mid position. Um It is different to obviously how Jackie used to play for him last season. He's a little bit more creative and he's he was obviously also really solid. Um, but yeah, they are a bit more of a pragmatic side this season, just Clinching games, but, you know, keeping clean sheets, which against those teams that are a bit lower down that look to try and hit you on the break more often. When you think about that Southampton game towards the end of the season, last season where that was a real killer for them, I think they're looking to sort of minimise that sort of, those errors. So, yeah, I I can see what they've been trying to do so far this season. And, you know, a couple of mishaps maybe so far along the way. I still think that they look like they're playing towards being champions still at the moment and um, still see what maybe they could do in January. I think that that might depend on what sort of funds they could raise as well. Um, because I think, you know, they did spend quite a lot in the summer uh, uh, as well. Um, I think it is a shame that they're missing uh, a player like Timber. I think he could help them defensively as well with whether he's sitting back and, and tucking in or whether he's drifting into midfield with his He's on-the-ball abilities are, are really good as well, but he's solid, so I think they do they do miss him. Uh, on Brighton, I think they are wavering a little bit. I think, you know, they've struggled this time losing one of their, their best players in Caicedo. Um, they're, they're still not a bad side. Um, I think that the Europe is taking a bit of its toll on them as well because it is so different playing these different styles of games in Europe and in the league, so... Carrying your form between them, it can it can you know be up and down, but I would expect Arsenal to win this to nil again. Uh, maybe a two nil victory, um, getting back on track again. And I, I could see Havertz being in the goals again. To be honest,
0: that would be good for probably for Mikel Lent- uh, Arteta as well because he was quite big on on Havertz coming in. Um, let's move on to Brentford versus Aston Villa. It 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 used to be, you know, Ivan Tony or Bust. It it became Boemo or Bust this season. He's unfortunately injured for what seems like the rest of uh, twenty twenty three, penciled into be coming back uh, around twenty January. So it's a big blow for them. They they need to figure out a, a new way to win games without him necessarily being the outlet. Do you see them causing you guys uh, any issues? Obviously. Villa will be travelling. You've mentioned that away form, um, but perhaps this could be a come come good game in terms of getting that away form into the the right side of things.
1: Yeah, it will be tough. Um, I, we don't tend to do well um, at Brentford's uh, place, so it will it will be a tough game. Towards the end of last season, we were you know we should have been well beaten by them. Um, we ended up drawing the game late on with a Douglas louise goal. They are a really efficient team quite often and I like the work that Thomas Frank does. It is a shame that Umbermo is out injured. He's a really exciting player. Um, They've still got a really strong team. you know. I really like Visser. I think he's a good player. Um, And I think that Shard has got a a, a big future ahead of him as well. I I think that sort of athleticism in the front line is is really admirable Um, and as he develops, I think he'll be a really good player. And I think that sort of thing can be a problem for us in behind because... As I say, we do look this season to be a little bit more expansive on the ball. We do step up the pitch. We leave those sort of three central defenders guarding a lot of space at the back. So I think, you know, if, if you can hit us maybe on the break, you can get a goal. Um, when it comes to building up against us, it's more of a struggle with a, a really good offside trap and high line. We play that really well. The the stats on it are incredible. So I think they're going to have to be on their game, but so are we, you know, they're a good side, especially at home and, I think I don't want to go against us at the moment you know how, how solid we are and um, so originally I was going to say a draw but you know I'm going to go for us to sneak it
0: 2-1. Nice yeah I've got 2-1 written here to Aston Villa as well and obviously if, if this result does come true um, it, it leaves Aston Villa in a very very good place in my opinion because it would mean then the next game week a win for Aston Villa and the lowest it would be would be second because we know Liverpool and Arsenal play each other, um, whether it's a draw, win, loss. However that game shapes up, two wins on the bounce for Villa takes you into second place. Then probably people will start to also look uh, a a bit more seriously at at what Aston Villa are doing. But I I think from my perspective, um, they are in the title race for the sole reason that I've not, and I, I don't know. Maybe if you have a team that you've identified, I've not identified a team that is built like the the Man Cities, the Liverpools of of recent seasons. That I'm, I look at them and I'm like, okay, I can see the whether it's the, the the makings of, or I can see their pathway to to dominating this this title race. Liverpool, I think they've got issues uh, defensively. They obviously don't have a defensive midfielder at the moment city it might be just they've been going for too long you know what i mean it's what four seasons now going and winning all the trophies last season that's got to take a toll at some point in time arsenal um i still think they're missing one or two pieces to to be sort of a dominant team to run away with things so I think it's going to be a closer title race. There are going to be multiple teams in it this season. So why not Aston Villa in in this moment? And if if there's anything in my pers- perspective, as long as you, if you're not Man City or maybe a Liverpool and Arsenal, just make sure your team's ready in case those teams aren't the teams that they expect to be. If 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 no one's going to get ninety points this season, I want to make sure I'm at least still hitting the eighties because then I've got a chance. If yeah. they then go and score 90 points, okay, fair play, they've got those massive squads, they've got, you know, sometimes it's it's difficult to keep up with them, but if they slip up, I want to be in the conversation, and at the moment, Aston Villa in the conversation.
1: Yeah, um, as I said um, before, when we were on Arsenal, I think they were looking at the heading towards being champions for me, but I, I really don't think it's a runaway title this season. Yeah. If you look at the league, it's... Been quite balmy, you know, looting close to taking points off both City and Arsenal in a week, you know. Okay. They fell short. But you can see that the league itself is quality. Even the the bottom three teams will cause a team a problem at some point this season. So as you say, it is about being ready. And if you, you know, kicking it around that area still as it comes to March, April, May, then you're in with a shout. And as I said before, you might as well get carried away when you, while you're in and around that area. So, yeah, I, I do think that we're in a, a title race. Um I think we aren't... I, I wouldn't back us to win it right now, um, purely because I think you, you do have those squads of Arsenal and City. And I think if City get Kevin De Bruyne back and firing like he can be, I think that that dynamic between him and Haaland can, you know, get them many points itself. So, yeah, it, I, I don't see a standout, you know, sweep the floor with it by, by April sort of winner I think it will go pretty close to the wire as we come into May Um, I'd love to see us still around that top three or four and, and within touching distance you know it, I think we are capable of it I've seen this team go from strength to strength and if we did do something next month in the market to, to strengthen as well then I, I can't see why we can't consider ourselves challengers so yeah we'll see how that goes
0: yeah and as you said enjoy the ride um yeah. however long it is um because you never know as a fan when it might stop um we currently obviously man united playing by um, by munich at the moment um it almost seemed at one point man united would never not be in a title race and and we've seen what's happened you know these last couple of years so you never know what could happen in in football um west ham versus wolves west ham obviously humbled Uh, last time out by fulham in in that london derby i think from my perspective and i'm not trying to take away from the performance from fulham which i thought was phenomenal i do think some of those west ham players already had their eye on thursday's game they know it's a must win they need to top the group to sort of guarantee then through to the 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 next round um not having to play sort of playoff matches of, of of that ilk um so i i do think that was part of it and if their game this week midweek is a close game is an intense game and they have to sort of put a lot of effort in I'm sitting there as Wolves thinking great <laughs> if I'm Wolves I wanted to go as long as physical as long as hard as intense as possible and hopefully for them um, you know it, it makes the, the the game a lot maybe not necessarily easier but but playing against a team that would have maybe exa- exhausted themselves midweek i don't know yet um at time of recording if the likes of pedro Neto will be back for this game they were targeting this game as games to be back we saw what he did uh at the beginning of the season before his injury if he comes back I- i'm predicting 2-1 to wolves but if-, if he's not there i'm going
1: 1-1 yeah it will be interesting um i think i agree with, with west ham i think their eyes were on thursday it is a big game you know i think they have to target that Europa League run because you, you know, you win the Europa League, you get into the Champions League. So you have, while you're in it, you, you have to try and win it. So I can understand that to an extent, but you know, I think when you're playing with your eyes on one competition and you take it off another, it can, that form can start to play its part in the other competitions as well. So they do need to find that sort of balance. Um, I think they've got a really nice team. I think that. When they have a go, um, they can get the points like they did against Spurs. You know, he took the handbrake off a bit at the half-time against them and they ended up winning the game. Um, Yeah, I I think they're a good outfit. They're just, I I don't know, there's something that stops them sometimes. I don't want to say that Moyes is too negative because I think that, you know, they can play some nice stuff at times. We've seen that. So maybe it is part trying to rest their legs a little bit more because of the extra competitions. But, when you've got Wolves coming into town that have got such running power, um, I don't think you can give them too much space. Um, as you say, if Pedro Neto is available, then he can cause damage to any side in the league. I think he's such an exciting player. I think he could play for one of the top teams. He's got the the ability to hurt teams that leave spacing behind or, or the ones that deny you space. He's such a good player. So if, I think if he's playing yet, yeah, it's going to be an even harder task for West Ham, even though they are at home. Um It's a tough game to call. I'd probably go for a draw, a 1-1. I I don't think that West Ham can afford to not win this game after the the Fulham game. Uh, But I do think that Wolves have something about them in in the games away from home. So, yeah, I'll stick with a 1-1. All
0: right. Let's move on to the last game of this game week. Obviously, maybe for many people, the game of the weekend. It's Liverpool versus Man United at Anfield. What are your thoughts on this one?
1: I always look forward to this game. Um You tend to know what's going to happen when Liverpool face United, isn't it? Um, United, I just I look back 10 years and think this is crazy to watch them be so unidentifiable. You know, you think back to the Fergie years and there's been quite a lot of loken in with Emery. I'll, I'll be honest around here, the sort of way that he operates the club. And I, I look at how we've sort of switched in that sense now that we have this identity throughout the club and now they just look a bit lost, um, on the pitch, off the pitch. I, d- I, don't know really what, what they do on the pitch. I watch them and it just seems like moments and that's not good enough for a team that's obviously vying for a, for a title, which should be their aim every season as Manchester United. And when Liverpool come to town or when they go to Anfield, it tends to be a really tough game for them. When they're on the game, they, they can turn up in these sort you know, a rivalry form can go out the window. But this Liverpool side and with how United are faltering, I, I could only see a Liverpool win, to be honest. And I, I'd probably say convincingly, again, a, a 3-0, to be, to be honest. I, I don't see United causing too many problems, even on the break.
0: Yeah, it, it's not a good time to be playing Liverpool if you're Man United in recent history. Obviously the 7-0 is still probably quite fresh in a lot of these Man United players' minds. Um, I think a a, a big thing would be whether or not they're out of Europe. If if they're dejected, you know, having not gotten results the way they're meant to go, um, in Europe and, and they're out and now they have to go to Anfield, it might get messy again. Um, We know what Liverpool do at home. Um, I think they've won every single game at home this season. So it, it would be hard for me, even when they say form goes out the window. Sometimes, yes, form goes out the window. But that's usually the case when the other team has a belief that they're going to go and cause them problems. I don't know if this Man United team has a belief. I, I don't know Bruno Fernandes personally. I don't, I don't know what's in his head. But him getting that suspension for this game seemed a bit weak in my opinion it it seemed like he wasn't keen to go play this game and again, if your captain's doing that um, what does it say you know what what message is he sending to to the rest of the team so I'm I'm worried for them for their fans um, in terms of what they can expect at Anfield. I think Liverpool want to make uh, a statement and as I said, if Liverpool win this game, it then goes to that next week against Arsenal. Where it's going to potentially be a, a top of the table clash. Um, if, if everyone wins their game. So it, it, it just seems like a harsh game for Man United. And as I say this, they, they've just conceded. Um, so yeah, it, 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 I, I wanted to say 3-1. Um, I, I, I'm still not confident of Liverpool's defense. Yes, Alisson is back. He makes the world of difference. To me, he's the best goalkeeper in the world. Um, and and it shows week in week out with with his performances. But I still am wary of Liverpool without that defensive midfielder. We know Man United are probably going to play on the counter attack. Liverpool aren't going to have that player to break up those counter attacks, and that could maybe lead to one of those you know three on four situations where Man United just make the right decisions and and put the ball in the back of the net. So I'm I'm going to go three one to Liverpool it's still a Liverpool win but 3-1 from my perspective but James that is going to do it for another episode of a tad predictable do you have anything you want to plug put over or promote before we wrap up
1: uh yeah uh I, I co-host uh, co-host on the AVFC uh, faithful podcast to so any Villa fans or non-Villa fans that want to take a listen whenever we play your team or, or anything like that then you can find us on YouTube you can find us on Twitter um The AVFC faithful who we actually represent is on Twitter as well that's his handle the AVFC faithful Uh, and we are on Spotify as well so yeah go and check us out.
0: Awesome stuff uh from my end guys go and check out all the content on EPL Index website match previews post match reviews player performances and then all the news you guys could wish for obviously the transfer window is creeping up quite quickly um so if you guys want to keep up with what all the gossip is and, and and all of the news regarding transfers go check out eplindex.com of course go and check out the daily podcast show it's the two-footer podcast with dave hendrick um, where he discusses the hottest topics in football also go and check out the flagship show that runs weekly it's the epl roundtable where kev devries sits down with the state, uh, panelists from respective epl teams they do reviewings and previewings of the happenings around the epl those are usually out Sundays or Mondays go and follow this show on the Twitter page at a predictable go and um, follow at EPR index subscribe to EPR index podcast channel on your podcast providers give us five stars write positive comments that stuff really does help us out also obviously go and check out everything James has said write positive comments give them five stars on that on, on YouTube subscribe likes all of that good stuff I've been Tedio Chanakira. You can find me on the Twitter handle at Tad Predicts. Huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire SA, and Jodie McInnes. She's at Spursy141 for our guest intros. Our producer behind the glass, Mister Guy Drinkle. He's at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. He's been James at The Holt1874. That's at the H-O-L-T-E 1874 on Twitter. And remember, to Singapore,
1: Chinoshura. And still, Salah, oh, sensational! Son had a goal and still a beauty! Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemans. De Bruyne! Oh! And it is what? From the boxing, Nelly Oh, he's done it again! And City have won the Premier League! Sports Social Podcast Network.